Hey, you here? I know you'd tell me if you were here. I trust you. And you trust me, huh? Hey, let's get this show going, okay? It's the Paul Leslie Hour. This show's been going for 19 years. Helping people tell their stories is the name of the game here. Want to recognize someone real quick? Yes, sir. Mr. Caleb Miller, are you with us today, Caleb? Stand up, sir. Take a bow. Hey, <laughs> He's a young man, but he's an old-fashioned kind of guy. Whether it's magic or being a stunt performer, Caleb Miller's the one to watch for. Don't get bashful, Caleb. <laughs> Seriously, we see what you do. We're proud of you, okay? Just wanted to get that out there. Now, here's an interview from the archives that went out on the radio a few years back. Most certainly did. It was the interview where stunt coordinator and actor Mark Cooper shared his story with Paul E. Leslie, your host and interviewer. Cooper worked on the opening scenes of the film La La Land. Mark has many credits to his name. (laughs) Hey, yeah, that was thanks to Mark Cooper. Hey, you got a sec? This is fast and it's free to do and it's a big help. Please go on to YouTube and look up Paul Leslie. Then would you subscribe to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel? Hmm? Would you do that? We're trying to double our number of subscribers before we hit 20 years in October of 23. You can also help keep the Paul Leslie Hour going. Just visit thepaulleslie.com slash support. And we thank you for helping the spoken word and independent media. You know, I just decided what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell Paul to cue up the interview with Mark Cooper and unleash it like right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the man we're talking to is Mark Cooper. He's joining us from California. Yes, sir. All right. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. And you, Paul? I'm doing well. I want to go back a little bit. I think most stories are best from the beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. And Cooper, that's a last name you don't hear every day. Yeah, I'm 100% Czech. I spoke Czech before I spoke English. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad was a political refugee. He escaped. So English is your second language? It is, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your parents? My father is leftist, and my mom is in um, San Clemente, California, which is just like if you split Los Angeles, San Diego in half, it's like right there. It's by the San Onofre Nuclear Power Plant, and the claim to fame from that small town was the home of the Western White House when President Nixon moved in there. Ah. I thought it was really interesting reading about you and about the your early days and the job you had at the grocery store, bagging groceries. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, my father and my parents both actually believed in hard work, so if I wanted, like, I really wanted a camera, I wanted a guitar, I had to go earn it. So, you know, the help, of course, was, you know, those wages were very minimal wages, but that meant they appreciated hard work, so... They applauded hard work and they helped out when they could to, you know, get those things that I wanted. Extracurricular activities, as it, as it is, you know. Was that your first job? That's a great question. 
No, I washed dishes at a local restaurant when I was like uh, 14. And then actually got bagging groceries and stocking shelves. They promoted me from bagging groceries to stocking shelves. So I would, uh, I was on a partial scholarship to when I left high school and when I went to school in San Diego. So I would work, you know, all night stocking shelves and then go to school and then try to pick, you know, to try to get in shape for the volleyball teams and all that stuff. So it was a great, great charmed life that I led. I have no regrets whatsoever. And hard work pays off, Paul, that's for sure. And tell us about the encounter that you had with Gene DeWitt. Gene DeWitt was the voice of Zoma Flintstone. And she had, and she was like at the top of her game doing voiceovers. And she was an actress. She was a celebrated actress in her day. And she saw me back in grocery. And I would walk, you know, back then, you, you know, the, the, the manager of the store was Alpha Beta, Leon Riley. Oh, gosh, I don't even know. It was a long time ago. But it's interesting how people affect your lives. You remember their names. So Leon Riley was always like, if you see, you know, an older lady, you know, you don't even ask her for if, if she'd like help to her car. You just automatically insist on taking baggy, you know, to the to, to her car. So we got to talking a couple of times. I had the honor and privilege of, you know, walking her to her car, and she was like, gosh, you're so, whatever, I don't mean to sound like a vain L.A. person, but you're so handsome and you're this and that, you know, you should, I want to take you to my agent. I want to take you to my um, agent, and that was a big, powerful agent at the time, and it was WHJ, Windsor Health Fund and Joseph, and I started doing print for them, and it was, it worked itself out really good, and, you know, after I, my dad insisted I get a college degree, I got the degree, and after that, I just left San Clemente and, and San Diego, never looked back, and stuck it out with that agent for a while, and, you know, just... Again, hard work, just hitting the pavement, going to castings, doing all the, getting stuck in the L.A. traffic and beating the pavement. Hard work. Hmm. So with all the things that you've done, this stunt coordinating, the acting, having done all kinds of things, what would you say defines you? What do you think is, is the essence of Mark Cooper professionally? Wow, you got some tough questions, brother. Um, <laughs> Uh, defines me professionally. Or would you say that you, you know, it's a, it's many things. It's many things. I know. It's, I've always fascinated with art, photography, filmmaking. And then when I got to really work on some big, big things, I saw how organized it was. It wasn't like chaos. So what I, what defines me in that professional realm of what I do it's just like a well-groomed functioning machine, and I love the discipline behind it, and I embrace that as a, a professional in, in our business. I like the, uh, you know, the hard work ethic of it all. It just, it just works well for me in my life. I, I understand it. I get it. I embrace it. Does that answer your question, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, it does. This Lionsgate film, the the one that a lot of people are talking about, La La Land. Which, yeah, amazing. Tell us a little bit about this. How did you come into the the picture, no pun intended? So a friend of mine, his name is Charlie Crowell. He is one of the biggest, it's not like, anyway, just a big, big player in the stunt world. 
And he was working on something else. And he had read the script, and he goes, gosh, I think you're perfect for this. And, you know, so he handed me that movie. And I met with Damien, Patricia Zell, the, the director of the movie, and we got along. And I found out, kind of, look, it's his vision. So as a stunt coordinator, what you do is you talk to the director, and you find out scene by scene. Well, you know, there's a, there's a traffic jam, and there's going to be all these people stuck on a huge huge freeway on-ramp to another huge freeway here in L.A. from from, um, from the 105 to the 110. And, and I don't know if you've seen the film, but you can see downtown. And Anyway, so you get stuck in this massive, massive traffic jam, and he has the dancers come out of their cars and dance on top of these cars. And there was like, I don't know, I think there was like 40 dancers, and that was choreographed by Mandy Moore. And they get on top of the roofs of the cars and intertwined in this, he wanted some stunt. So, you know, and not per se like explosions and fights and, you know, nothing like that. He wanted it, you know, and I understood the vision. He wanted it to read L.A., stuck in a traffic jam, what could happen here? So what we decided on was a parkour guy, a BMX guy getting, a, getting his bicycle out of the, out of the um, bed of his truck, a professional skateboarder, and a gymnast. And we combined all these disciplines within the dance move. And I hope all your listeners out there can go see this and remember me speaking about the freeway sequence in this movie. It's, it's absolutely breathtaking. Amazing. So I, I, you know, I don't know if we're the first ones to ever inter, inter, intertwine stunts and dancing. I can't you know, make that claim, but what we did, what we what we accomplished in that was just... I mean, Damon and I have been emailing back and forth, and he, he actually... A quote from him, but you know what rock this movie is? Your, your stunt team in the freeway sequence. And that was just... Gosh, I mean, getting that email from, you know, him is amazing. Wow, did I talk too much? No, no, not at all. What did it feel like when you saw the filmed, what you had just done? You know, you can't help but feeling proud. Just elated and proud, and you sit back, and you take a sigh, and you, and you just go, gosh, everyone, you know, that I hired, that I put into this spot, absolutely did their best. It was terrifying, especially for the young black gymnast we had, Olivia. She had to do a backflip off the car. And you just, you know, you just, you pray to God. You know, and then, and then the, you know, the, you'll, you'll see it. I don't want to ruin it. And the pride that you have in the people that trusted you, you know, like, you know, like they'll look in your eye and say, well, everything's going to be safe here, right? This car is not going to move. This dance is not going to get in my way. You know, and I go, no, we're all, we're all on the same page. Every single dancer knows where to stop. You know, there was, there was elements there that, you know, were a little unnerving. So everybody pulled it together. No one got hurt. Everyone walked away from it. And I guess the word is proud, just proud. And not just, you know, in myself, of the team, of the stunt team, and the dance team. It sounds like there was a lot of concern there about the safety. Oh, I lost sleep. I definitely lost sleep. I had two or three girls come, no, more than that, and try to audition 
for the team. And of course, there was rehearsal time and we couldn't get on the freeway. So we had lined all these cars up in some obscure neighborhood in Los Angeles. And, you know, so I was looking for this black girl that it was, it was in a, she had a family and she got stuck in a traffic jam. And they, you know, they danced and she got on top of the cars and got into the dance routine with the dancers and did a backflip. So you can't just call someone just go, hey, you know, hey, how are you, how's your backflip off a car? So I made everyone come and look at it. And then with, obviously, Damien wanted to just look at every single person I hired as well. So, and Mandy. So, I, you know, three or four girls get there, and I go, a pro gymnast. I mean, these top of their game. You know, I made some phone calls to gymnastics girls I know in L.A., and I go, can you recommend a young black girl. Anyway, so three or four people show up. They get on top of the roof and one knees just started wobbling like, you know, it's high and it's metal and there's cars next to you, they're metal and then there's asphalt that you're going to hit. And it's a margin of error that was like, wow. And then I remember one girl getting on top of it, does the backflip does it twice, and I said, okay, now let's put the cars the way they're going to be situated on the street. So at the transportation department on that, we put the, we aligned the cars the way Damien wanted to see the cars in the traffic jam. So as you know, when you're stuck in a traffic jam, the cars are you know pretty close. You stop close to each other. So the girl gets back on the car, and the knees started wobbling, her ankles started wobbling. She looks down, looks over here, can we move that? I go, no, don't even, please don't do it. Don't, don't do it. It's not, you know. Walk away from this. This is not the job for you. There'll be more. You know, this is not it. And then here comes her girl, Olivia. She gets there, and she was recommended to me. Never done stunts. First movie ever. She walks on the set. You know, it's like it was a rehearsal. And I remember her face. And I go, can you do this? And, you know, boink, lands it. We, you know, move the cars the way they were going to be situated on the day we were shooting. Boink does it again. I look at Damien. He's like, okay. I go, yeah. Then I remember her face and the magnitude when we were shooting. We get there, you know, it was dark. The sun was just not even coming up. And we were playing the music that the dancers were going to dance to. And I just remember looking at Olivia's face. And I go, welcome to Hollywood. I mean, just it doesn't get any <laughs> better than this. And she was just like stunned. I mean, we owned the freeway. We owned like... I think there was like 200 cars. And it was a major, 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 major undertaking by all departments in, in La La Land. Was it necessary for these people? Were, were they in really good shape? Oh, you bet. And I have a newfound respect for dancers. My goodness. You know, watching dancing, it was, wow. It was breathtaking. I mean, I cried during all the rehearsals, during just... I don't know what it was. I was so moved by what we did and what we put together. It was just amazing. Amazing. It was such a, you know, gosh, what a blessing to be part of that production, that movie. We're talking with actor and stunt coordinator Mark Cooper. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit just about working with stars as a whole when it comes to stunt coordinating. What's the most challenging thing about this? Um, well, gosh, your question's in me. So, let, 
I'm in a movie called Iron Man 3. I'm not the stunt coordinator, but I was hired by the stunt coordinator because I was a you know decent actor. I can say like a line or two without screwing it all up and everybody feels safe, right, with me speaking. <laughs> but along with that speaking role in Iron Man 3 and this new movie called The Nice Guys, I have fight And one of those fight scenes, or both of them, you know, with Iron Man 3 was, was with uh, Mr. Danny. And the nice guys was with Russell Crowe. And the biggest thing is what you don't want to goof up is hitting the actor in the fight scene. Because everybody's looking at you and you're just going in at the fight. And there's dialogue within the fight and you want to make it look real. Because you know, people just don't go at it, you know, in a, in a fight and not talk. Like, you know, just, you just, hey, you can get there, boom, bam, you know, whatever. And the biggest concern is when you're that tight and there's like maybe a weapon involved or there's, in Iron Man 3, it was all his, you know, the, the suit comes in, like his boot comes in, and I'm fighting with him with partial boot, partial glove, and it's a pretty tight fight. We're, like, inches away from each other's faces, and the same thing with Russell Crowe. So the biggest concern is keeping the actor safe. I mean, he gets hurt, and we all go home. So there's, you know, I mean, you don't want to hurt the lead actor. Because, again, if he goes... That <laughs> we all pack up, and yeah, of course you don't want to hit another human being. So, right now, when you're giving suggestions or instructions, do the the stars, do the actors, are there ever occasions where they just listen, or are there ever occasions where there's a little bit of pride and they don't listen? For the most part, if there's like a good fight scene and you hire like a choreographer and you do this, for the most part. I'd say 99% listen and because they want to be safe, especially if they're fighting like a bunch of stunt guys. Let's say there's five stunt guys. But they'll interject what they want to do. Well, I don't, you know, like, and, and you want to hear that. You want to hear, you know, I, I had the pleasure of working with Don Cheadle on, on a TV series called The House of Lies. I was the coordinator. And he got the snot kicked out of him in this alleyway by these two they're stuntmen, but they're they're playing cops. And you know, he goes, "Well, I don't, you know, maybe this, maybe that, or how can we make this different? Because I don't want to do that." And then you really want to listen to that because if he's not comfortable doing something that you think should work, if if it's all about athleticism, you know, like you know, a player can't perform that task, so you take him out of the game, so or you change his position. So that's the same thing holds true with fight choreography like that. And for the most part, yeah, you, you listen to one another. And then, you know, God willing, you walk away and everybody's safe and you put together something that's, that's you know, special for the audience to see. Just some of the people that you have mentioned just in this interview, but there are, are many others, very, very iconic names. What would you say is the biggest myth about Hollywood actors. The vanity, everybody portrays them, you know, and they're very caring people. Usually an artist has, you know, an amazing soft side. You know, many of them are so kind and donate so much money and do the charity work. And, you know, I've been, I'm involved with the charity with Charlie Crowell called Earth's Oceans, and it's, and it's about getting the plastic out of the water. And you just, you ask, can you wear our T-shirt? Can you do this? Will you do that? Will you? And they're all, sure. 
Sure. So, you know, I think I think that's from the kind of artsy side of people. They're caring and giving and really, you know, for the most part, wanting to help and the vanity part. Of course, there's, you know, there's some knuckleheads out there giving a bad name, but for the most part, the, the artists are just such solid, caring, nice people. We're talking with Mark Cooper, one of the uh, hands and minds involved in this new film, La La Land. What did you think of La La Land as a whole? Brilliant. I, you know, I uh, love musicals. I, you know, I'm a Dick Van Dyke fan. I love dancing. Fred Astaire fan as well. For me to be a part of something like that was already, I was already a fan of those, of those things. And when I'd read it and all the stuff with it was going on, I was so thankful to Charlie to give me, Charlie Crowell, for giving me the opportunity to be involved with it. And Charlie had the foresight to actually go, you're a perfect fit for this because, again, we're, we're involved with a couple of different things. And that, I mean, was fantastic for me. And Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, wow. You know, and they both sing and dance in this movie. I think he he learned to play the piano, and she like they dance. I mean, it's just it was a moving, moving, moving thing. It's very, very heartfelt. And tell us, what did sure. you think about the music in this movie, La La Land? A lot of it's original John Legends involved, so it's and again, City of Stars. There's a couple trailers out. I mean, my I have two kids, and they're like singing City of Stars, and they just seen it from the trailer. It's, there's, you know, original places in this movie that are just, or um, the musical score, amazing. It'll move you. It honestly will move you. There's another scene if you want to talk about it. Yeah, please. It involves, um, I'm going to go to my computer so I can make sure I'm telling you the correct thing, but his name was Stephen White. And it is a scene. And again, I don't want to, I'm not going to tell you why or how, because I don't want to ruin it for your listeners or yourself even. So there's a scene. It takes place in, how can I say this without giving away? So it takes place in a Hollywood mansion. And there's a dance number again. And there's a, there's a guy on top of the second story that dives into a shallow pool. And, and it's in, he's in a tux, and that's all I'm going to say, because I don't want to give it away again. And he had to do this dive 32 times. So it takes place at night, and he's in a tux. And so, you know, obviously he had to get him out. The wardrobe department had like four or five tuxes. No one knew it was going to, you know, take this many takes to do it. But we got there. And it's a night party, so we did this one scene all night long. And he was a trooper. I found him actually in San Clemente, and I gave him a chance as a stunt person, and he has proven his worth to me. He was my daughter's gymnastics coach. And I brought him in, and, and he practiced the dive on his own. So Damien, like two or three versions of, of the flip and what he wanted, it wasn't just you know, don't just think it's a dive. It's actually in the first trailer, so I can't really give away that much anyway. And, again, 
31 or 32 times, and his wardrobe got so much water because, again, I don't know if you remember, but I told, um, I told you that we only had like four or five different tuxes. So the, the shoes accumulated so much water that we had to drill holes in the bottom of the shoes when, um, so we could drain the water from his wardrobe. And it, that was another amazing part of La La Land stunting. When somebody has worked with you and you're not there, what do you hope that they say about you? I hope that they say, wow, that Mark kept me safe. Mark was kind. Mark is, I'm not a yeller. Mark was accommodating, made sure that I was taken care of with where, you know, even down to like when you hire girls down to their shoes. No, are these heels too high? Are you com- can you comfortable? Talk to the wardrobe department. Talk to every single person, you know, that's going to be involved with my stunting. Hair, makeup, wardrobe, the director, what exactly do you want? Do you think that you might give him or her a line? Do you think that you're going to add extra action? Do you think that he's limber enough? If, does he need to kick this? Do you think you might change the fight and he has to kick higher? Do you think, you know, all these things start popping in your head. What happens if he doesn't, if he wanted the skateboarder to do something that the skateboarder couldn't do? So you think out of the box, so you just go, well, I know, you know, stunt, stunt players that skateboard, but maybe we need to dig deeper and get a professional skateboarder. Because if we get there, you know, so we get there and, and let's, let's take, for example, Damien says, well, can we add this? And then you go to the skateboarder. Do you feel safe adding this? And hopefully he'll say yes. And you go back to the dressing and you say yes. And you realize you've, you've hired the right guy. So I, in hiring someone, you want to hire someone that's not going to get hurt, that's going to make you look good, and they look good, so you can get another job after you've done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, before we were doing this interview, because so much of what you would describe is visual, I was concerned, like, how are you, how are we going to express what's going on? But you've done so masterfully. <laughs> oh, thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. My pleasure. What is the best thing about what you do? What do you enjoy most about this? In what aspect of my career? Like as an actor or as a stunt coordinator? I would say just as a whole, as your life pertains to your work. I've been fortunate enough to feed a family in this career. I've been fortunate enough to call people that need to work and ask them, do you want to work? I love being able to pick up the phone and and like Olivia, like making her dream come true and picking up the phone and talking to her mom or talking to someone and saying, yes, I'd like to hire her for this. And she's going to have to do that. And, you know, to be the, the ability to pick up a phone and put someone to work in a career that they want to do. You know, I mean, let's face it, it's tough out there. And for, for, you know, the competition is insane. And it's such a pleasure to be able to, Again, I don't want to sound redundant, but pick up the phone and offer someone a job. I love it. I absolutely love it. 
So why do you suppose that some people make it and some people don't? I don't know. It saddens me. I, I, I know a lot of people that packed up and have gone. And I, gosh, you know, like they say, timing is everything. Like, you know, the story I told before, I don't know if some of the friends tune in later, but when I saw Stephen, the pool jumper in La La Land, teaching my kids gymnastics. And then we went down to the beach. We had like a little family day at the beach. And he was down to doing somersaults and doing all this stuff. I'm like, you ever thought about stunts? You know, so, and, but, you know, there's so many stories of, you know, people do come, you know, coming out here and, and not making it. But, you know, and then you pray, you just hope that they're going to be okay and they leave. And, you know, hey, I thought about it. I thought, you know, when times would drive, it's like, gosh, is it, you know, is my next job coming soon? Oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, so you start second guessing yourself. But you know what? You can't do that. You, you just, you, if this is what you really want to do, I think if it's in you and you have to do it, you just, you have to put everything in it or else you're going to hate yourself later. You always, I, you know, I never wanted to sit down in the car, sit down on the couch and say, what if, what happens if I should have met this guy? I should have really tried. I should have, you know, instead of going to the beach instead of going surfing. What, what was I thinking? How come I didn't go to this? Like, like, you know, the opportunities that pass you by. You can't, you know, you can't, you got one life. So you got to make the best of it. What would you say is a commonality among people in the film industry of those who are making it? Hard work. Hard work and talent. I mean, Bruce Lee, I, it was a big fan of Bruce Lee. He said, if you want to, you know, develop your kick, kick. Go in the garage and kick. So you want to be an actor? Act. Do stage. You can't afford stage? In the junior college. You want to be a stuntman? Okay, what do you want to, what, what, what's your discipline? What, what, what do you have? What kind of traits do you have? Well, I played football. Great, so you're strong? Yeah. I can run, I can catch, I can do stuff? Okay. So find the stunt coordinators that played football. Find if there's a football movie going on. Find, you know, like, I'm a BMX guy, I'm a skateboarder. I'm like, you have to just think about your abilities, your attributes, what, what, you know, what your, all those things and put them into play. I remember who was it? I think it was Jamie Foxx. I can't remember. It's either Jamie Foxx. No, it was Jamie Foxx. And he was doing an interview and, you know, he, he thanked his grandmother for making him do sports or doing stuff because he had to throw a football. And he goes, it's like a deck of cards. I can throw a football. I can do this. Here's another, here's another card. Yes, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. I can dribble a basketball. I can do... So it was all these things, you know, just whatever you're doing in your life, you know, especially with the stunt player, the sports, and the, all the action stuff, keep doing them. And then get a hold of the people that can hire you and get off your butt and figure it out. Just picking up little pieces here and there from the interview and also having read your bio, the ocean is something you're really, really passionate about. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, again, I was raised in San Clemente, small little beach town, and I actually uh, kind of was not good at sports. Um, I was a late bloomer, 
and surfing in the ocean was something I could do without getting ridiculed and without no one laughing at me and without no one, you know. So I bought a surfboard um, from bags, bagging groceries and washing dishes. I didn't know I was washing dishes as long before that. And I had a garage sale. I picked it up and I just walked down to the beach by myself. And the ocean literally changed my life. And that, you know, the serenity of it, the peacefulness of it, I would just paddle out there and sit down and think. And again, just be by myself and not be the last person picked for each, you know, school team. So that consequently got me balance. It gave me upper body strength. So just be by myself. Just in all, you know, your whole life, not just professionally, what is the best thing about being Mark Cooper? The best thing? I just love life. Why? I love my, I love my family and friends. I, I think a lot of it's what I do. It doesn't define me, you know? I have a lot of things that define me, but the father, the husband, the fight choreographer, the, 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 um, the stunt choreographer, the stunt coordinator, actor, modeling. I loved, loved, loved. I mean, that would, this, this word blessing gets tossed around so much that blessed. Blessed. I just lay my head down at night and just go, thank you. you know? Thank you very much. So for anyone who's joining us, anyone listening in, what would you say to the audience? Be kind to people. Follow your dream. Don't let anyone give you any negative BS. You know, you're beautiful. Carry on. My last question. Sir. Who is Mark Cooper? I'm your friend. I like that. Well, Mark, thank you very much for sharing with us. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to talk to you. You too. All right. Best wishes. You too, Paul. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.